Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody. The podcast where we talk with people behind the top nonprofit galas and signature fundraisers to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I am so thrilled to have Victoria McCullough, who is the Events and Corporate Relations Manager for the Center for Child Protection, and Jolie Cady, who is the Development Director for the Center for Child Protection. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about an event that they have coming up called Ride, Drive, Give. And it's every bit as fun as it sounds. Victoria and Jolie, welcome. And we're so glad to have you on today. Thanks for having having us, us, Rob. Absolutely. So, um, you know, let's start, you know, Jolie, with a question for you. And that is, you know, tell us a little bit about what the mission of the Center for Child Protection Yeah, absolutely. So our mission um, at the Center for Child Protection is to reduce the trauma for children during the investigation and prosecution of crimes against children. Um, We are a children's advocacy center, which is a model that's replicated all across the state, all across the nation, um, to really be the community piece of um, what we call here in Travis County, the child protection team. So when um, a child, when a report of child abuse is made or an outcry is made, um, we really kind of come in at the at the start, um, at the intervention, and provide a safe place for a child to come and tell what's happened to them. So we work really closely with Child Protective Services, all the law enforcement jurisdictions in Travis County, the District Attorney's Office, and Dell Children's Medical Center um, to really make sure that all of those different um, agencies are working together, sharing information, so that we can interview that child in a safe place just one time um, so that they don't have to tell their story more than once. Um, Prior to CACs existing, that child would have to go to those different agencies and tell their story over and over and over again, um, which was just really, you know, really re-traumatizing every time they'd have to tell their story. Um, So that's our our core service is the forensic interview, Um, but we also provide therapeutic services. So providing therapy to children and families that have been affected by abuse. Um, and we also provide education services. So we go out to the community and really teach anyone that'll listen um, about signs and symptoms of abuse, how to report abuse. We can go into schools and teach children. Um, so really trying to prevent children from ever having to come to the center in the first place. Um, so we provide a lot of different services, but um, really at that core is trying to reduce that trauma that a child experiences. You know, and it's what what was it's such an important cause. And what what's really interesting when you were talking about that is how what your organization does, you rely on, you know, others. So it's really you're a part of a network and you're really the hub to really minimize the amount of trauma that children undergo and experience. It doesn't mean that those other things exist. And one of the things we like to talk about on this on the show is you know, just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you do not work with other nonprofits and other organizations. Really, the the whole the whole benefit of nonprofits is really to lift all boats, especially within a community. And I that was really, Julie, just the perfect yeah. way to kind of describe how what you do is an extremely important and critical thing. Yeah. But there's also a whole network around it that works. Right. Really, at the core of who we are is is collaboration. Um, and, and nothing that we do would work if we didn't collaborate with all of our partners um, and really with our community as well. Um, cl- we are our community. And so, you know, really giving the community a voice and how to better, best protect our children, you know, when things like this happen. 
Absolutely. Now, um, Victoria, I just want to ask you, and I'll, I, I'd like for both of you to answer, but we'll start with Victoria. And that is, you know, what drew you to become involved with the Center for Child Protection? Um, so actually, I didn't know that the Center for Child Protection existed initially, um, and that's actually the case for a lot of people, especially when we go out into the community and we're telling them about what we do and the services we provide. Um, it's actually something that a lot of times you don't know exists until you need it. Um, I was drawn here initially because I have a background in events, and they were looking for an event coordinator. Um, and then once I came in for the interview, I started to learn more about what the center does and just being involved <clears throat> and seeing the difference every <clears throat> and seeing the difference that everybody makes um, just in the lives of the kids who come through the door every day has just been really impactful. And so um, I came thinking that I just wanted to do events and I have stayed for the impact that it makes in our community. And I've been here for almost five years now. Wow, that's incredible. And that's, you know, it's a and I know one thing that um, nonprofits can struggle with is turnover. And what has been so remarkable about your organization in the years I've worked with you is it's not like every single person that was there 13 years ago is still there, but people tend to stay for really, really long tenures and stay. You know, I, I don't see, uh, like I do with many other nonprofits, a revolving door of people, people that really do come to this organization, stay and work for, you know, a really long period of time and that you're very reflective of that. I think that's great. And Jolie, tell us how, how you became initially involved with the center. Um, my story is pretty similar to Victoria's, actually. Um, I just moved back to town. I knew I wanted to work for a nonprofit. Um, and I knew I wanted to work for a nonprofit that was making a, a bit of a difference in the community. And so I, I stumbled into the center as well. I, I hadn't heard of the center before I started. Um, but like Victoria, I've I've stayed um, for, for the mission. Um, there's... It, it's really impossible not to be become very passionate about our kids and what they're going through and to be working alongside <clears throat> other people that have that same passion and that same impact um, has been really powerful. So I, I've been with the center just over 10 years. Um, wow. So, so yeah, we we're lucky to have a lot of tenure on our team. Um, but really it's, it's the mission I think that, that keeps us there. And, you know, one thing that you all do so well in terms of messaging your, um, you know, your mission out to the community, and we were talking a little bit about this before we, you know, we came on the air here, is you all, you know, you inject these really unique, memorable experiences. And, you know, the cause, you know, for, you know, protecting children who've been abused is a very sobering one. And you all really do such an excellent job of balancing the fine line between those two things. And, you know, we're going to talk about one of these, you know, one of these signature events that you all do right now. And that is the upcoming event, Ride, Drive, Give. And like I said, at the beginning of this show, it's every bit as fun as it sounds. Um, Victoria, tell us a little bit about the event. So Ride, Drive, Give is an event out at the Circuit of the Americas Racetrack. Um, so in past years, we used to rent it out for a full day, um, but recently we've started condensing that to a half day. Um, but it is just a super fun, exciting event where we go out and participants have the opportunity to ride along with professionals in a variety of supercars and race cars. They can also get behind the wheel of a supercar if they're interested in driving, um, or they can bring out their own car and maximize their track time and just 
get to see what their car can really do out on the, the racetrack. That's really cool. And, you know, it's, and yes, it's as cool as it sounds. And yes, you get to go on a racetrack. You are hearing that correctly, people, where Formula One happens. So <laughs> Victoria is not making that up. That actually happens and it happens every year and it's super fun. Now, because it is so fun and memorable, what is interesting is that, you know, this year, and I know most years, you tend to hold it on a weekday. And this year, you, you know, you're holding it on a weekday morning. So how do you think that, helps make the event a little bit more memorable, special, magical for, you know, for th those who come and attend it? Yeah. So Friday, <clears throat> Friday events are actually really interesting because it provides something special that like weekend events don't because it helps people kind of kick off their weekend. So you get to have fun on a Friday, but then you still have your Saturday and your Sunday to yourself. Um, and so that's really nice, but especially for Ride Drive Give, since it's a morning event, um, the, the event's going to be over by noon. And so you have the rest of your Friday to yourself as well. And because it's Cinco de Mayo, you can spend the rest of the day drinking margaritas and having a good time. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just, it's super fun and super special to have on a Friday because it kickstarts your weekend, but then also you get to be doing something really impactful. Exactly. And memorable because, you know, not everyone gets to drive on the Circuit of the Americas racetrack. And, and even especially with the opportunity, if someone is a car aficionado, they have the ability that they can go, they can go about doing that. And that's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I think just the, the other thing to add on that, it's not very, it's not a very kid friendly event. <laughs> and so um, uh, there's just a lot of limitations on where kids can go. And so to have it on a weekday, I think can help a lot of people that that maybe, you know, have kids that need to be there um, without kids. So it's, it, it, it lends itself to support that. While they're in school, that's smart. So yeah. it's, it's kind of while, while the mice, mice are away, the cats will play. So it's kind of almost yeah. like the reverse of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, Jolie, you know, um, that, you know, this event's really interesting, but what, you know, from a development perspective, what I find most fascinating about this event is that you have your two highest fundraising um, signature galas in the fall with Play Bingo and with Dancing with the Stars. And we'll talk about those on another podcast. But tell us how you think having this event, you know, basically kind of six months after those two events helps really with donor retention and keeping your donors engaged year round. Yeah, so um, it, it is a it's a great way to kind of keep people engaged. I will say, you know, our biggest sales source for this event comes out of our Dancing with the Stars Austin event. Um, we launch this event at dancing um, and sell spots for the first time at that event. Um, and so the majority of our participants are actually coming from that event. Um, and because of the way that event is structured, it's a lot of new people that we don't know um, year after year. And so to kind of re-engage them with a secondary event in the spring is really a great way to kind of deepen those relationships um, and and kind of keep them engaged with our mission and and, and keep them as supporters. Um, so it's it's a great way for for all of our donors really to kind of come in at a low price point as well if they just want to come out and have a hot lap or have a good time they can kind of come and go with that event as they please. It's not as um, the retention for our donors is not as high with Ride Drive Give as it is with some of our other events because people are really coming out for a very unique experience that they don't necessarily have to replicate every year. So it's it's a great it's a great way to kind of 
just kind of plug people in that have an interest um, from all of our different events. So it's a really good, it sounds like what you're saying is it's almost like it's a really good cultivator in that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the people who have gone to dancing for the first time and really at a high level dancing with the stars is, you know, there's local celebrity dancers and each person's going to bring their own crowd every year. So in addition to familiar faces, there's always going to be a whole host of new ones. And really what's interesting is, you know, you have that and I've seen, you know, it be prominently displayed, you know, whether it's at a silent auction or whether it's talked about in a live auction at that event, that it it really is something. And I've heard people kind of go ooh and ah in the audience who are new to it because they're like, that's just something that's really unique and inventive. And then they wind up going and you have a whole host of other things that you do throughout the year. And it really is just, it's one of those things that makes, because people have a finite amount to give. But what's really fun about that is that's kind of something that makes you stop and think and be like, what is this organization, you know, what is this organization doing and how are they partnered with that? So, you know, I think what would be an interesting question to kind of talk with both of you about here would be, you know, what what advice would you all give in, you know, to another nonprofit looking to kind of create something that's unique and different and kind of out of the box that, speaks to, you know, speaks to your existing donor base, but also can kind of serve as, you know, a pipeline for, you know, cultivating new donors in the future. Yeah, um, you know, I think for us, I don't think that's what we knew it was going to be, you know. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I think originally when this event was created, our board was being very proactive in, in preparing for, the potential of maybe one of our other events going away at some point, um, just because they've been going on for a long time, um, you know, and so maybe they wouldn't have the longevity that we might want. And so it was actually built to be potentially a replacement for one of our bigger events. And just really what we found, you know, after the first couple of years of doing it was that it was that cultivation event. It wasn't going to be the big fundraiser. It wasn't going to be the dancing with the stars, the play bingos. It was going to be the thing that really provided our donors with something incredibly special that they would never forget. Um, and so um, I hate to give advice on how to build a cultivation event when that's really not what it really, how it really started, but it's really what it became um, because we just, we saw just how, amazed people were with having that kind of experience. It was like nothing they'd ever done. You know, there's, there's people that get on the track all the time, but those aren't the people coming to our events. These are people that are, this is a once in a lifetime. Um, And so I think that also comes with a little bit of um, struggles, you know, of people see it as a bucket list item. And so they don't always come back. Um, And so you really have to build a lot of um, support around your event through like a strong committee um, strong sponsors to really kind of keep that energy infused year after year and keep those new people coming year after year. Well, and I think that that's important for people to know. And, and anyone who's, you know, does development kind of knows that, that there's, you know, there's going to be some people that are kind of one and done, but there, there are others that you're going to be able to yeah. keep. And you find those, you know, those, those seeds that be, can become really big, beautiful flowers and really kind of be, yeah great ambassadors for, you know, the organization and, you know, and for the event. Um, And Victoria, so, you know, it's, 
what's interesting is, and I guess, you know, what would be interesting to talk about from events perspective, when kind of the focus shifts from it's okay, it's going to be a big event, but now it's going to kind of be a cultivation event. I think what is to me as an observer, that's most interesting about that is, is that cultivation events, I think sometimes there's a perception out there of a cultivation events in some way have to be boring or have to be stayed or have to, they just have to be not necessarily fun, but you all really, you flip the script, you flip the tires, you, you do all that to make it interesting. Um, you know, tell me how you, you all change from an event perspective, how you would do your outreach and how you would communicate, you know, what you were going to do with the event out to the community as what that event ultimately became, you know, what, it, what the event ultimately became versus what it was initially set out to be. Um, so I will say that the event itself, um, not just what it was intended to be, but also what we offer at the event has kind of shifted um, as we've learned and as we've developed it into this cultivation event. So um, once upon a time, we offered hot laps, which are the ride-alongs with the professionals, and then a single VIP uh, experience that consisted of being able to drive one of the exotic cars that we provide and then also being able to drive your own car. And that was the package. So a lot of times we would be out in the community trying to sell it, people would purchase it and not realize that they needed to bring their own car for this VIP package. And then they would have to rent a car or we'd have to do something custom. And um, we were noticing that that was kind of causing a block between us and our participants. And so we had to come back to the drawing board and redetermine like, what is it that our participants actually need? What is gonna get people to come here? What is it that they're looking for? What is the experience they want? And so now we have our VIP experience still as an option, but there's three options under that umbrella. And so there's the traditional one where you can still bring your own car, but then there's an option where you can just drive the cars we have and you don't have to bring your own car. And there's even an option for people who don't wanna drive at all, but want to ride along in a variety of vehicles. And we've noticed an uptake in the number of VIP experiences that we sell now because we started looking at what our participants actually wanted and what was actually going to get people to come and to, to really experience what we had to offer. That's really cool. And, you know, one thing I do kind of want to touch on, we can kind of dive a little bit deeper in Victoria, is you have that, but you're also doing that in a, so you evolved and morphed what the event was with a very well-known event space. So it's the circuit of the Americas and a lot of people don't necessarily get the opportunity to host something there. You know, for anyone who's looking to, de you know, work with, you know, a high profile venue, whether it's a stadium or whether it's something unique like the circuit of the Americas racetrack, what advice would you give to someone looking, you know, in, in terms of engaging with a venue like that, on how to really successfully cultivate something and allow them, more importantly, allow that, allow the venue to grow and evolve with what you're doing from the event perspective. Um, Jolie, you might actually have more experience in working with these bigger venues. Yeah, so um, kind of what I touched on before is um, you've got to build a strong committee. The venue is only going to take you so far. So, you know, when you have a venue like CODA, um, it's, you know, the only one in the country, um, it's very unique, it's very special, and that's going to create a lot of hype in the beginning. 
Um, but again, you know, if people are viewing this as kind of a once in a lifetime, and not everyone does, we do have return participants, but um, a bucket list item, that the venue is not going to be enough to keep bringing them back year after year. And so you really do have to um, build that strong army of, of soldiers to, to sell your event, to be advocates for your event in the community. Um, but also, you know, with, with something just as unique as this, it's, we, we didn't know how to put a race, <laughs> a race car event on, you know, like we, we had no experience on that from the staff side. And so you also really need to be looking for um, partners and vendors that really are the expert in what it is that you're trying to do. Um, and so I, we, to this day, we still work with um, a company and it's changed a couple of times in the, from the early years, but a company that manages the track and manages the schedule and tells us what we need to do to tweak the schedule and how much time we need for this and that. Um, with, a, with a unique experience like this and unique venue, you really kind of need to pull in experts, <laughs> um, yes. especially with something as unique as race cars. Um, and we are very lucky to have a lot of people that know a lot about this realm even though it feels kind of niche, it's it, there's a lot of people that are willing to help us along the way and find instructors for us and find track managers for us. It's it really would not happen without really identifying who your key partners are going to be. Because um, again, the venue is exciting and great, but it's not going to carry you through from year after year to year. Um, you you really got to you got to build that. That support system. I, I, I also think, think it has, yeah. sorry. Um, Go ahead, Victoria. But I think that it also has something to do with the longevity of how long you work with a, a venue as well, because the longer that we've been with CODA, um, the deeper that connection has, has become. And now whenever we go to the drawing board um, every year to talk about, you know, what's going to be new for this next year's event, they already know what we've done in the past and they're able to suggest options and they're able to work with us. And we build that relationship that, you know, we're a good, you know, event to have out and we're going to be respectful and we were able to work together. Absolutely. And I, I think that's really, Victoria, such an important point is, is that, you know, one, one thing that I like to say, having gone to so many things is, is that, even if you're hosting event an event, you are still a guest of the venue. So part of being a good host is understanding and knowing how to be a good guest. And I think the way that you just said that, Victoria, is so spot on with that, that, you know, they can trust and rely that you all are, you know, your, your organization is well focused, you're very professional, you're well put together, and that allows them to grow and evolve with you all as an organization. And, you know, on that note, let's let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, because I know that, you know, the time frame is condensed a little bit, Victoria. So let's talk a little bit about what people will expect at this year's Ride, Drive, Give and how it might be different from some years past. Yeah, absolutely. So I've already talked about kind of the different participant options for people who are coming out. Um, but whenever people arrive, um, we obviously have you know registration for people to check in. Um, but right outside of registration this year, we're also going to have a show lot. So a bunch of really cool cars from just different vendors and different people who work with us um, are going to bring out cars just for people to look at. Um, 
So that's going to be kind of the first thing that they see when they come up is just this really cool show lot full of cars. Um, and then they'll enter into the garage, which is going to have a snack lounge. It's going to have live printed Protect Austin Kids t-shirts. We're going to have several games, um, including a virtual racing game, um, which is super exciting and brand new to this year um, because a lot of our participants get kind of the itch to race. And obviously for safety reasons, we can't do that out on CODA. Um, and so we're providing them that opportunity this year through a virtual racing game. Um, and so there will be a first and second prize winner for the fastest times. Um, and we're also gonna have some other cool games. Um, speaking of wheels going up, we're incorporating a new game with Hot Wheels um, called Wheels Up and Win where people are gonna be able to purchase these little Hot Wheels and they'll correlate with prizes. Um, but the idea there is for them to take that Hot Wheel home and remember the impact that they're having on the little lives throughout Austin. Um, and so just lots of really cool ways to incorporate the kids into the garage while they're still having a really awesome time. And then once you get through the garage onto pit lane, it is just a lineup of the coolest cars you've ever seen from exotics to hyper exotics to track only race cars um, that actually go out and compete. Um, and then the coolest people, um, professional racers, um, instructors who've been in all kinds of cars and just a really cool myriad of people who are F1 enthusiasts, car enthusiasts, um, and just general philanthropists who care about the center and the mission and what we're doing here. That's really cool. And I got to say, if anyone's interested at all in cars, I mean, this is the event to go to because basically <laughs> it, it, it's a car fantasy, basically, for anyone who's interested in cars. I do want to focus on one thing you said, Victoria, and I find that really interesting and I, that I especially love is the Hot Wheels that people get to take with them away from them. Because one of the things we talk about often on the show is how people have to be emotionally tied in order to really give to an organization. And it doesn't necessarily, giving doesn't necessarily have to be because, you know, a, a person gives because they were abused. There are so many other reasons why they might. And one of the things is if someone takes a Hot Wheel home, they may have very fond memories of that as a child playing with Hot Wheels. And they have that Hot Wheel in their hand and it serves as a reminder of something happy and may want them to, you know, may allow them or enable them to become more involved with the organization. So I think that that's just such a nice, wonderful, subtle touch for people to, you know, positively think about the center and the experience, but also add a little bit of an emotional component on it. When it's not even an obvious emotional component, it just they look at it and they feel happy. Exactly. And that's one of the things that we've struggled the most with, with Pride Drive Give. Um, because it is such an adrenaline rush event and things are happening so fast, um, it's not like our gala events. We don't have everybody in a room sitting down listening to a message. And so we have to get creative with how we introduce the message into the garage and into the room. And one of the other really cool things we're doing this year that we've never done before is that at 7.45 a.m., we're going to kick off the event with our partners with uh, Bikers Against Child Abuse and our child protection team members with the Austin Police Department, they're gonna bring out their motorcycle units and you know their motorbikes, and they're gonna kick off the event with a loud and proud parade lap, um, just to get everybody excited and to also get our attendees asking questions because we've never had motorcycles at Ride Drive Give before. Right. And so we're hoping that they're gonna be like, what is this, who are they? And then we'll be able to raise awareness about child abuse and also about the partners throughout our community that we rely on to, to keep the kids safe in Austin. 
That's really fantastic. And that's such a fun, unique way. And it's still driving. It's not, it, it's motorcycling, but it's still drive and it still totally makes sense on, on a track. I just think that that's such an awesome, that, that's such an awesome way to kick it off. And again, you bring in so many different elements, but they're all so expertly really interwoven that no matter what type of car enthusiast you are, there's definitely going to be something where each and every person comes in that there's going to at least be one thing to connect with. Cause it's not necessarily that your donors or the people there are going to connect with every single thing along the way. But if they really connect with one or two, you know, that's going to make all the difference and that gets them more deeply involved in the organization. I think that's wonderful. Well, if I can just add um, something our events team does really, really well. Um, and what we we call it is bringing the kids into the room. So at each one of our events, you'll see some variation of the Hot Wheels. So whether it's teddy bears at bingo or stuffed Micklers at dancing um, or hand painted golf balls by the kids at golf, um, because of because of our cause and because of our mission and sometimes how hard it is to bring that message into these really energetic spaces, there's always going to be something at each one of our events that really tries to make that tie. And this year, introducing the Hot Wheels um, is just, you know, another piece of that of that puzzle. And I love that that goes into, and now that I think about it, when you say that, it does. I, and I've seen those things where there are those child elements that really... Yeah they make people they make people happier they make people associate with something very positive from their you know from their youth and that compels them to kind of give back and pay it forward you know to you know to children and to benefit children so you know let's talk a little bit about you know and this you know and while um you know while we said that this is a um you know not one of the center's largest fundraising events of the year it still raises a substantial amount of money it still raises well into six figures and it's a, it's a really you know strong it still raises quite a bit of funds so tell us a little bit about and both of you feel free to chime in with this one but what will the funds raise from this event benefit yeah so um with all of our fundraising events um all of the money raised is unrestricted funds which means we can use the, the funds for whatever need arises. Um, and so that's where I feel like our um, our team, our events team, our fundraising team um, really can make a substantial difference in our kids' lives because you never know what that need is going to be. So whether that means we need to um, replenish our kids' closet, which is a room full of resources, clothes, toys, diapers for, for our families, um, or if we need to expand our education services program to, to focus more on prevention, those funds are not earmarked for anything in particular. And so for year after year, the need may change. Um, and sometimes maybe it's just, you know, paying the electric bill. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no matter what, um, that's something really special that, you know, our fundraising events can do is they it creates this kind of pool of resources that can be used wherever is needed. Well, and I have to think that that has the unrestricted funds has had to have come in especially handy over the last three years, where <laughs> I'm sure we we could do a whole other podcast segment on, <laughs> on how, yes. all the different things you had to do via COVID. But I, I think that's really I think that's a really smart way to do it. And you know, really, what that 
you know, it, it just allows you to be more nimble as an organization, especially as things change. And Austin, especially because so many new people move here every day that the dynamics of the community shift. And I think that's a really smart approach on, you know, especially with what you what you all do and how much the city and the population of the city is growing. So I think that's a really, really smart thing to do. Yeah, and I think um, again we won't get into all the COVID stuff, but but our landscape has changed a lot since, and um, we know we need to infuse more energy into you know community outreach and education and marketing um, for a number of reasons. And so having having you know unrestricted funds come in through our events really allows us to pivot on on any given day or year um, to meet that need. So that's great. And, you know, Victoria, I have one question for you, you know, as, as the events person, and that is, you know, obviously the goal is to raise as much fund as possible. And I always like to ask people, especially if they've had, you know, an events background, what's something that you like to do or that you go to that's maybe kind of more of a budget item or gets something that really has a really great return on investment that you do with, you know, that you've seen work, you know, from a fundraising perspective with nonprofits and planning a great event? So I actually think that that can vary based on the, the event itself. Um, for example, with Dancing with the Stars, one of our kind of go-to budget items would probably be production because it is, a, it is a whole production. And so that's really where we need to focus most of our time and our energy and our effort. Whereas with Right to Rife Give, um, again, just as we've we've done this event year over year, we've kind of learned that the go-to budget item for that is our um, partners at Longhorn Racing Academy, where we rent our, our vehicles. Because as we've given our attendees the ability to kind of customize what VIP package they want, we've noticed that that second package where they get to get behind the wheel of two exotic rentals is the one that sells the most. And so we're, we're now like very conscious, like, okay, we need to make sure that that is the thing. If we can provide nothing that we make sure we provide that because that's what people really want. That's fantastic. And that just kind of goes to show that every event kind of has its own thing that you really have to focus on really to drive the amount of funds raised and really to create experiences that have them wanting to come back. And I think that's absolutely the per you know, the perfect sentiment to end on. So Victoria, Jolie, I can't thank you both enough um, for being being guests today. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Rob, for having us. Absolutely. And the 2023 Ride Drive Give benefiting the Center for Child Protection is on May 5th, 2023 at the Circuit of the Americas Racetrack in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit centerforchildprotection.org. And that will do it for uh, with us for this episode of Fun and Fundraising, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care. <laughs>